The Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut is pleased to bring you this edition of Shi'ar Jashub. Today, Pastor Greg Scalzo will be continuing the Heavenly Authority series with the current sermon in the book of 1 Samuel. This particular section emphasizes the biblical principle, do not touch God's anointed ones and do his prophets no harm. So let's rejoin Pastor Greg in chapter 25, where he has just read about the death of Samuel. Samuel, the priest, the judge, the prophet, so much a type of our Lord Jesus. And now as an elderly man, his work is complete in the anointing of David, he dies. We know that he is faithful in all God's house. We know he's human. We know his sin that he didn't quite see when his sons as judges were being unfair. And he kind of looked the other way a little bit. But all in all, he was a great follower of the Lord and a great example in the Bible of faithfulness in God. And here we've gone from his birth and we go to his death back in his own home, right? He, we, we studied how he was born in Ramah of Ephraim. That was his home. When on the circuit ride, he would return to Ramah of Ephraim. And now his burial place is in Ramah of Ephraim. And also notice the progression. You know, Ephraim is in uh, the middle section there, north middle. That's where Shiloh was. That's where the ark starts, right? And then throughout this book, the authority has moved down, right? It's moved down south to Benjamin. Benjamin is the border region between Ephraim, the Joseph's son, and Judah. And we've concentrated in Benjamin, uh, in Gibeah of Saul. Saul's a Benjamite, and we spent a big portion of the book uh, of Samuel in, in the area of Benjamin. And now what's happened, we've moved down south. And most of the areas we're speaking about are in Judah, right? And Judah of David. And we... we read about Bethlehem and we'll read about Jerusalem and how the emphasis has moved from Joseph down now to Judah. And that's where Jerusalem and the temple will be established. So David takes and he goes to the wilderness of Paran. He knows he's not really safe. And uh, we're going to jump ahead from there. Let's jump over to chapter 26. Let's move ahead in time. And we read in verse 1, Now the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding in the hill of Hekilah, opposite Jesimon? And then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. The hill of Hekilah is in Judah. Jeshimon is in the wilderness of Judah, that wilderness area west of the Dead Sea, uh, a barren district in the wilderness of Ziph. And you remember back to chapter 23, we read also about the Ziphites, how they turned David's hiding location into Saul when he was in the same place back then, and they turned them in. And how God then used the message just at the point that Saul and his men are about to grab David, a messenger comes and tells Saul that the Philistines have invaded 
And so David is delivered. And remember, we read that that place was called the Rock of Escape. So the Ziphites are at it again. David has moved back in the area, and they go report it to Saul. And some things and some people never change. They never learn. They never change. The Ziphites don't change, and what else? Saul doesn't change, right? All that repentance. He's weeping, David, my son, and give it a little time. He's right back. That demon that's got him, that crazed demon, we're going to see there are those that are also instigating him now for their own benefit, brings him right back to the point that he's got to get David. Starts all over again. Some things never change. That's one of the most frustrating things about life. You know, when you're first saved, you just can believe that everyone else can get saved and that everybody can change and that things can get better because it's true. In the Lord Jesus Christ, that's all true. But human beings are stubborn individuals. We don't always yield the way we should yield. So as you go on in your walk, it's amazing to see how many situations because of the free will of individuals, not because of any lacking in God, just keep going on and going on and going on. I said, when is it going to stop? When are things going to change? When is it going to be different? You see in Saul a person that should have learned, that should have known. And yet he's right back. He understood David's words touched him. He knew he would have been dead and David didn't kill him. And David's innocent. If David wanted to kill him, which he was afraid of, David could have killed him. Obviously, David doesn't want to kill him. Common sense tells you that. Saul's right back to being who he is. The expression, a dog returns to its vomit. And some things just go on and on because of that, because people refuse to change. And what does he do? He takes 3,000 chosen men, just like before. Same number, choice men to defeat David. Then Saul arose, verse 2, and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped in the hill of Hakilah, which is opposite Jeshimon by the road. But David stayed in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. There's no doubt about it. He knows Saul is coming. So, verse 5, David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, Abner, remember, is related. He's the commander of Saul's troop. He's related to Saul. He's probably a cousin to Saul. The commander of his army. Now Saul lay within the camp with the people and camped all around him. He's all surrounded. His, his commander, his general is right next to him. All the people are surrounding him. Verse 6, Then David answered and said to Ahimelech the Hittite, this is a Hittite that has befriended David, and to Abishai. Now you'll hear it many different ways. Abishai, Abishai, Abishai. Every book you look up, they pronounce it a different way. So if my pronunciation I give is different than what you're used to hearing, nobody really knows the exact pronunciation. We'll say Abishai. And David answered and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishai the son of Zeruiah, Zeruiah is either the sister or the half-sister of David. That's in 1 Chronicles 2.16. It 
So he says to Ahimelech and Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, uh, the brother of Joab, Zeruiah, David's sister or half-sister, had three sons, one of which is Abishai, and the other is Joab, which we know very clearly. Joab is the commander. Joab is the commander of David's armies later on. He's his general. Um, and Abishai is one of David's uh, mighty men. So they're his nephews. They're his sister's sons. Saying, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So he jumps right in with his uncle David. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head. And Abner and the people lay all around him. So there's great courage here. They're going right in the middle of the... He knows he's coming for him. Sometimes, you know, you have to go and confront the enemy, especially when they're coming after you anyway. He sent out the spies. There's no doubt about it. So they go in and they find everybody asleep and all the people laying around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now therefore, please, let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. Let me go kill him. One shot. But David, verse 9, listen to this. David, verse 9, said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Very important scripture. Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And it's an important principle in the Bible. You do not touch, touch not my anointed. Do not touch my anointed and do my prophets no harm. If someone is anointed under the power of the Holy Spirit, does that mean they're going to be perfect? No, look at Saul. But let God deal with them when they go astray. Don't touch them. Don't seek to destroy them. And it's not for the sake of the individual. This principle of authority, of heavenly authority, is not for the sake of the individual. It may be hard for us to understand this. It's for the sake of the Lord. It's a respect for the Lord's anointing, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, for the authority that was there. Not for the individual. And it's a way of avoiding chaos. David is not looking for a bloody revolution in Israel. Now, David didn't stay there and get killed. David didn't lie and say, oh, there's nothing wrong with you, King Saul. You're a wonderful, great person. He had to flee. He spoke the truth. And we always speak the truth. But to be against the anointing, to go against the anointing, in a sense, is to go against God, even when that vessel has fallen. So better to have a hands-off attitude. And that's what David has. He says, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? It's as though you're touching the Spirit when you touch the Lord's anointed. Even though this Saul has lost most of his anointing, though we saw even he prophesied again, right? The gifts and calls of God are irrevocable, it says in Romans. He starts to prophesy all over again. Yet you got a demon on him, a crazed man and demon. Yeah, but he was used by God. He was a vessel of God. So 
don't stretch out your hand against me. That principle had been used in the late 80s, I believe, because a lot of those ministries were anointed. You know, no one can doubt how many people were healed on the oral Roberts ministry and all the, the things that were, were spoken, the, thing, the names that were called back and forth uh, between the Swaggin ministry and Baker's ministry. Well, if that, this principle had been held back then, those ministries that were doing wrong would have come to an end by themselves. The Lord would have done it. And none of that spectacle before the nation would have been put on television with unbelievers as judges over the church. Do not touch. Do not strike. Who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Even in churches many times, there's a lack of respect for the anointing of God. If a minister is doing something wrong, approach him, tell him, accusations should not be brought except by two or three in the church. And then if something's really going bad, there's plenty of churches to go to in this country. There's no need to have to tear down and destroy. Leave it in God's hands. Let God take care of it. If there's something wrong, God will deal with it. And if the gospel's being preached, there's any type of anointing there, respect for God requires us to respect the individuals doing his work. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, please write to us at Shear Jashub, S-H-E-A-R-J-A-S-H-U-B, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shi'ar Jashub.